are back with another episode of the At the Center Stage podcast, which is dedicated to exploring booming, highly innovative, and cutting-edge sectors and industries. Are you an industry player or a stakeholder or just curious about what's going on in the selected industry? You are more than welcome to join us. My name is Sasha Pomp and I'm your host. I'm a long-time radio guy and lately also a podcaster with very diverse interests. Today, we are going to scratch the surface of a very controversial industry, the defense industry, a highly regulated, innovative and viable, but also misunderstood and maligned industry. With my guests, Ante Milevoy and Robert Kordic, we will try to shed some light on the industry, debunk some myths, and elaborate on issues that will be at center stage of the industry in the coming years. Ante is a senior advisor to the general manager of the Slovenian Chamber of Commerce and Industry and a managing director of the Slovenian Defense Industry Cluster. In the first role, he is active in the fields of internationalization, EU and policymaking. And in the second and more important for this conversation, he represents the interests of the member companies who hail from the Slovenian defense, security, and protection industries and have numerous stakeholders on a national and global scale. Robert is a legal professional with more than 10 years of working experience, primarily focused on intellectual property law and competition law. He is highly involved in fast developing sectors such as technology, media, and life sciences. Thanks for joining me, guys. Hello, Sasha. Thanks for having me. Possibly on the brink of another armed conflict in one of the European Union's priority partners, the topic of EU security has risen to the top of the political agenda across the world. Only in times like this do we start to realize that defense is an important part of the state's sovereignty. And if we want to continue living in a Europe that protects, empowers and defends, we as Europeans must invest in the development of key defense capabilities. Although we are not here to talk about the politics, but rather about the industry that enables the states to achieve this. Ante, my first question goes to you. The defense industry is highly controversial. Public opinion on the necessity of this industry tends to be split into two fundamentally opposed views. But let's bust some myths right at the outset. Is the defense industry really only about arms? Hi again, Sasha, and thank you very much for having me. No, it's not. It's much more than that. It's it's uh, it's an industry, whatever falls under the the names defense, security, protection, and we all know that we need uh, defense, security, and protection. Not just today, but for the last two thousand years and more, and most probably, we will need those uh, also in the future. So. If you ask me if this industry is controversial, yeah, it might be. But then again, can can you find an argument that the food industry is not controversial in a way? So, so everything what we do today can belong under the uh, below the line under the controversial term. However, being a, a very extremely regulated sector, it is in our best interest in the industry to follow the rules, to do the paperwork properly, to just to conduct business as we should. So all the stakeholders, by doing that, 
remain into the game and do nice, nice stories together. Can you give us the overview of, uh, let's say, technologies or some equipment that is basically under this umbrella? It's not just rifles uh, and Sure, and tanks, it isn't. Right? It's, it's not even close to majority, you know. We are all keen of, on, on, on watching movies and etc. So arms, for example, in, in, in my case, uh, I have 45 members within the, the Slovenian defense industry cluster. Only two can belong under this subgroup of so-called traditional uh, solutions, all traditional arms. The vast majority, believe it or not, they belong to cyber, they belong to uh, IT, they belong to uh, so-called PPA, uh, 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 personal protective equipment. All sorts of upgrading of vehicles and uh, other items. So. Today, when you talk about defense, this is much, much more than just a pure weapon. And needless to say, when we go a bit wider, you can include counterintelligence uh, uh, items, solutions, services, simulations. You know, you would be surprised how many things within the, the armies, uh, protection companies, security companies, are happening in virtual world. So in order to do that, you need to have a full industry at the background. And also within our membership base, there are some some pretty nice uh, piece of companies who are doing just that. So a very broad range of technology and equipment, as we just heard from Ante. To touch upon the Slovenian market, not many people know or believe or heard that in Slovenia we have a defense industry, right? Yeah, but we do. Okay, we might not be a mainstream in, the, in from the EU perspective or global perspective, but we do. And this industry is rising year by year. So if I give you some figures in this respect, our 45 members are covering maybe 50% of the whole uh, defense security protection ecosystem in the countries. And they do roughly about, I would say about 700 million euros. Uh, together, uh, they employ some 4,000 uh, employees, and most importantly, uh, they are making good results. So the value added uh, per employee is much above the average of the country. So the country is itself is also satisfied about uh, taxes returning into the budget. Can you name some uh, kind of, I mean, products or services of what we produce in Slovenia regarding defense? Oof. Okay. I mean, uh, just a couple to have a feeling. Look, uh, b before I was mentioning to you, Sasha, uh, 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 simulation and training. You know, before you put a warrior on on actual terrain, you know there is many processes going on in in the living room or in the in the i don't know in 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 in, in the training facility or yeah exactly yeah. and you have over there a total reliable replica but in virtual world you know so some of our companies are focused on that for example then the 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 reality in the global world is that you have borders so for the borders to be checked, you need surveillance equipment. Some of our companies are doing that. 
Okay, we have also uh, arms producers. Some of our companies are doing uh, that, but there are many of them who are in the service business, uh, who are supporting this and that kind of uh, uh, business on, on their agenda as well. And last but not least, not to mention, it's very popular these days to talk about space technology. So we have companies who are active in, in that sphere as well. And if I combine this also with, with some short and medium term plans of the EU as such, who is doing uh, quite quite big uh, amounts of funding, the space technology will be even, even uh, hardcore, more hardcore in the future as well. So uh, defense industry for Mars. <laughs> if I joke a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I would say I would also agree with you that this might be a joke today, you know, but again, uh, the world is, is turning so fast around these days that you never know what you can get in five years time. That's true, Ante. But Robert, there is a hefty amount of technology that was primarily developed for military purposes, but is now in the civilian use, right? You're right, Sasha. So the spillover from defense industrial developments has strongly influenced civilian technologies. One of the most prominent and basic examples is, for example, the seatbelt for the car. The three-point seatbelt was actually developed by Niels Boyn, who had earlier worked on injection seats at Saab. So similar, many innovations first were used in the military, but they have become the civilian success stories, such digital imaging sensors, wireless communication and headsets, but most prominently the GPS network and the internet as such. Furthermore, it's also gaining developments and importance. We recently talked about AI when we covered the life science sector. But there is also a strong use of AI system in the defense industry. So when it comes, to, for example, to autonom uh, autonomous decision making, target identification, diagnosis and maintenance of system, autonomous vehicles, etc., they have heavily relied on the financing and on the importance and on the uh, um, uh, contributions from the, the ideas gathered in the military or in the defense service and then found their way into the civilian sphere. I mean, this, the, the cycles of the development, the R&D cycles are quite long and um, important is also to know that the first spillover effects in these are of course always from one branch or from one aspect from the military use to the second and then only in the third or fourth aspect it comes to the civilian use. And it takes probably a long uh, a couple of years, right, that this happens. Correct, correct. Of course, mm. there's always the the um, public interest or basically the protection of the knowledge that the military gained in this to cover it also for a certain time and also to gain the military advantage and the strategies for certain ideas. The COVID-19 pandemic is already affecting defense spending in many countries. For example, in the last spending round on military equipment in Slovenia, we saw quite a surge in spending. Substantial resources will be required for public health and for economic rejuvenation due to COVID-19 crisis. So how will that affect the companies depending on annual state budgets, Ante? Oof, uh, I mean, you know, that's the, the, the wisdom of politicians. Let me put it this way. First of all, I'm sure they will find a win-win out of this, but uh, from our perspective, 
uh, within our clusters and in industry as such, uh, we are developing ourselves. Luckily, we are not dependent on, on, on uh, national budget or even national budgets in plural. Uh, most of uh, most of the companies, as Robert has rightly said, are also active on so-called uh, civilian markets as well. You have to be. Uh, so the portfolio over there is wide. Uh, we haven't noticed that that this uh, epidemic would somehow break the at least long-term plans of our companies. They're going forward as planned, but as planned. But then again, you know, when if you are a decision maker within MOD and you want to take care of your state or statehood, you know, you will do everything to follow the plan because otherwise uh, many things can happen. And within this supply chain, uh, the, there are companies who are able to offer uh, products, solutions, services. Ante, how much of the whole income is uh, your local Slovenian market in, in your cluster? Can you tell us this or this is yeah, a secret? Sure. Or? Rough, roughly about 10 to 15 percent. So that would tell you, you know, that that uh, the sector by its definition, it's a global game. You know, mm -hmm. if you have a good product, if you if you are you, you can be in a very, very sub niche of the sector, but still, if you have a, a good product, you can easily be noticed everywhere on the planet. And this is what, for example, our companies are doing. Of course, we have uh, some major uh, uh, fairs that we are exchanging these views. And uh, I wouldn't say that uh, COVID budgets and things like that would somehow change the trends, you know, it can delay a little bit, but not change, you know. One of the major disturbances in the Slovenian defense industry happened in 2020, if I'm uh, correct, when most Slovenian banks decided to close defense companies' accounts with the explanation that companies operating in this sector are not trustworthy enough. And Slovenia is not the sole example of this. There were similar cases in Germany last year in 2021. Ante, what impact did that have on the business? Uh, I have to admit uh, it, it, it uh, did have an impact. You know, we noticed that as well. Uh, luckily or unluckily, we are not the only country dealing with that. So I am talking to my vis-a-vis -vis within other EU countries. Uh, and they have uh, rather the same type of uh, challenges. Uh, yeah, uh, from two from 2020, this emerged on the map. Uh, somehow we cannot uh, uh, um, co confrontate the bank's view that they have a right to do that. You know, that's a fact. However, if you put a wider picture into the screen, you know, uh, the fact is also that that in our case, these are the Slovenian legal entities and that they do a good profit and that they bring nice sum of taxes back to the budget. So, uh, want it or not, we, we did uh, fill into this process also some other stakeholders within, within the, the state and we did uh, uh, find uh, a common win-win and today in 2022, 
I can say that vast majority of our companies are conducted their businesses via banks normally. Robert, do you think we are just talking about lack of understanding of regulation governing this industry? Yeah, I believe so, because Ant mentioned before that it's a highly regulated industry. And I believe the most professionals or most uh, participants in the defense industry see it that the uh, um, persons from the banks have not taken an overall look on the picture or basically at the industry as such. So this ordeal only highlights the importance of increasing awareness about how both the national and international standards and regulation apply to this industry in order for such things not to happen or not to be realized ever again. But unfortunately, this is also a problem for the future of the industry as these if these companies have troubles with their national banks, what can they expect doing in international businesses? And an aunt said 90% of their business depends on international buyers or, or business partners. But um, further to this complication, there are also other aspects which have to be covered. I mean, another challenge which will be for the future of this industry are the ESG standards, which are high on the EU agenda as such. And for example, socially conscious investors already today started depending, demanding that companies order uh, um, or basically that com companies in the industry reduce their carbon footprint. So there are less fuel hungry jets and planes and uh, uh, vehicles as such. So it, there are many challenges upcoming from for the industry as such. And I have a slight fear that the ordeal is not over for them yet. Does that mean that as a consequence of branding defense industry socially harmful, companies will be deprived of the fundamental services necessary to maintain their business operations and consequently jeopardize the EU security? Ante, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it can be. Then again, uh, I mean, our view here locally in Slovenia, we are following leaders, you know, to be honest, you know. I mean, still we are in good shape, but then, uh, then again, uh, we are basically one to five years behind these major questions. Of course, we are aware of, of uh, the, the green defense term terminology, all the stuff that is uh, placed uh, in, 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 in Brussels. Yet, you know, our reality here is different. It's not so much influential, not yet at least, but as far as I, as I see within the last uh, IDF uh, funding uh, budget, this will go also on the top of the agenda. And like in the case of, of, of cars, you know, going from, from uh, diesel and uh, everything else to the green stuff, I guess we can uh, expect some sort of copy paste uh, in our business as well. God knows only how fast this will come. Robert, your thoughts on that? Well, I don't believe that um, the EU perceives the defense industry as such as socially harmful. I mean, in 2021, the EU Commission presented an action plan on synergies between the civil, the defense, and as Ante mentioned, also the space industry. So these include a level of programs, technologies, and innovations for and with startups. 
So the action plan lays the ground to deliver concrete policy actions there, uh, uh, which they want to tackle. And it focuses basically on three objectives. So it's on the one side, enhancing the complementarity between relevant EU programs and instruments to increase the efficiency of investments and effectiveness of such results. On the other side, it's promoting the EU funding for research and development, including on defense and space and also to facilitate the use of industry uh, uh, and research achievements in the civil driven sector into the defense industry or basically into the defense cooperation projects. So definitely these are three major objectives which they want to tackle and only shows us that they want to enhance the cooperation between those three sectors and especially also the, uh, um, the, the civil sector uh, in the middle of it to promote all three industries. Guys, uh, as I have you here, I have to ask at the end, as uh, USA has shifted its focus, I'm talking about Ukraine, Russia and China, Taiwan and Australia, this whole mix of new stuff. Uh, are we going to start talking again about European army, Ante? I think, I mean, I'll give you my personal view on that, Sasha, if I may. I mean, of course, it's, it's of course, it's uh, it's politics at the end of the day, but it influences all of us uh, yeah. being it business wise or, or, or private wise as citizens. But the fact is that Europe is is not a player in this game. You know, you can you can argue this way or that way, but we are not uh, over there, at least not at the main table. So if we want to get there, you know, we have to do something, do something different. And yes, maybe the the uh, the common European army is an answer uh, on that, you know, otherwise, uh, you know, who are the main players and how things will be solved. Robert, what do you think? Well, as Ante said, it's a highly political question and it's difficult to answer such projects, but what you can see is regardless of the um, potential that this, this question opens up, it shows definitely one thing. The European Union at least wishes in the case that it will have one day such a European wide army, that it will have sophisticated knowledge and equipment and therefore also all these projects which should guarantee at least um, innovative products or security measures which would then be used by this army or equipped for the army. So you'll see. Yeah, we cannot foresee or foretell the future. Dear Ante, dear Robert, big, big thank you. It was a very insightful debate and hopefully we have managed to remove some stigma from this highly sophisticated and profitable industry. To all of you listening to this episode of At Center Stage, big thank you for being with us. If you missed our previous episodes, you can always find them on the CMS website and in all podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the likes. Until next time, stay safe.